On behalf of Dreamers Empire, we'd like to welcome you to the Recapturing the Future podcast. From computer-driven cars to monorails, from smart houses to floating cities, from spaceports to interstellar travel, in the spirit of the innovative and forward-thinking concepts of the great world's fairs and Walt Disney's experimental prototype community of tomorrow, we cover the technology and exciting concepts of future living. So join us today as we recapture the future. sponsors of the Recapturing the Future podcast is forum software Fusion BB. Fusion BB developers packed Fusion BB with features for both site owners and users to make your community a success right out of the box. Visit us at FusionBB.com. As part of recapturing the future, uh, we're looking at future transportation systems. A couple episodes ago, we talked about the uh, people mover system that's in use at the Walt Disney World Resort, and we talked about how they use it and how they plan to use it in the Epcot City. But now, Josh, you've been looking at something called uh, is it Skyweb? Skyweb Express, yeah. Skyweb Express. What, what have you learned about that? Well, I mean, it it uh, it's a technology that they. They say is the first new technology in transportation in 90 years, um, and they're calling it like a point-to-point mass transit system. So unlike a monorail or a train where you're getting on at Station A and going to Station B, they've actually got this web of of tracks that looks like it looks like monorail tracks, and the the vehicles rather than it being like a train type vehicle that holds 100 people, it's a it's a vehicle that holds you know three or four five people, uh, almost like a little tiny little tiny car um and their concept is you you know you get in this thing you can even bring your bike into it or a wheelchair or whatever and and the doors close like a like an automobile and you can sit and and you know work or read or talk on the phone while you're while you're in transportation um and then their their software works out the route to to be the most efficient route using this web of of tracks and that every trip is is nonstop. So, because it's it can evaluate the, the situation, there's not going to be any traffic jams um, at the various little stations. They've got like a like a side track so that when the, the vehicle pulls off to let you off, it's not disrupting the the normal flow of, of through traffic. Um, I mean, it really does look like a you know from from a, the ground, it looks like a monorail type system. Um, the vehicles look almost like a little car without wheels. Um, and it really just screams to, 
to kind of do a throwback to the the Tomorrowland Transit Authority or the the Web Wedway People Mover, which um, you know really had that that technology at least conceptualized. Um, granted, the way they they implemented it at the parks was was a one-way linear type system, but um, they they probably didn't have the the computer technology at the time to deal with the routing aspect. But the the concept was the same, and and Disney did that I think as early as '67. Now, did, did, did they, um, so you, they're more point-to-point, point, but there must be stations along the way. There are stations, yes. So so point-to-point, point, um, you know, their, their, their tagline with that is that it means nonstop travel from origin to destination. So I guess you don't need to stop at those. You only stop at the station you're going to, not the stations along the way, oh, like a train right. or a monorail type thing. So when they do pull a station along the way, it actually must pull off a, on a separate track then? Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So there's like a pull-off. So yes. what what happens if, now when I watched the video, it was like, okay, you might get off at that station, you might not, correct? I think in theory it wouldn't go to the station unless you, you were getting off. I mean, they show you punching in your, or swiping your, you know, your transit card and punching in your destination when, you know, you just literally walk into the station, you walk up to the first available, um, you know, vehicle, punch, swipe your card to, you know, to, pay for it or whatever, punch in your destination, and then that, the car, off it goes to that destination. So the question I had is, is because, you know, like Bob has talked about with the people mover, it's it's perfectly timed because, you know, the cars are, are always going to stay at a fixed point, but on that, you may or may not pull off at a station. So how do they, how do they time the vehicles so that they don't bunch up at some point? Do you, you have any idea from what they've shown? They just, they really talk about their extensive computer software that that maps that out um and then because it is a web of of tracks it, you don't have to go linear so um i think if it needed to go around something it, it definitely could hmm. yeah it looks like on the picture the uh, uh with each station there's the the one track that stops at the station and then there's one section of track that goes around it so uh the people must get off and then now there's a vehicle there prepared for whoever needs to get on next so they they advertise that you know implementing this system you know their website talks about that this is a technology that's available now and uh it does seem to be a a minneapolis company although honeywell seems to be um invested in it as well um but they they advertise that if a city were to implement this it would take sixty thousand vehicle trips or can remove sixty thousand vehicle trips per hour from congested roads well, that would that would defeat you know here in Minneapolis where Bob and I are from, they have the light rail and the uh-huh. the argument with light rail was that you know bang for buck they could have bought everybody that would have used it a brand new Porsche for for the same and save money. Uh-huh. Remember that, Bob? Yeah, <laughs> that was really Jesse Ventura that kind of prompted that whole thing, didn't he? Yeah, I I don't know why the. Uh... Um, if it was just the route that the light rail goes on that just doesn't service enough people, but uh, um, there was that, uh, that problem of, of payback. Yeah, and I don't um, I don't resist you know forging head in technology because right now it looks like it's a little more expensive. We we have to face serious travel issues, right? And you know, transportation issues. We've got serious you know clogging on our freeways and. So I'm all for it. It's just, you know, uh, I wonder if this new technology, Josh, is 
just bang for the buck a heck of a lot better. It really does seem – I mean the disadvantage of the traditional mass transit is that it's, it's, it's along a limited route and then you have to, you have to wait, for, um, you know, wait for the train times. They're talking about having enough vehicles so that you, you really don't have to wait. When you arrive at the station, you just progress to the first available vehicle and, uh, and off you go. You know, it's interesting. The the company. I just looked at the company address. It's uh, University Avenue in Fridley. Yeah. Uh, and it's so it's about a mile from where I work. <laughs> so yeah, that's right. You have to swing in there and uh, sometimes check and it out. Maybe, yeah. Maybe we can get an exclusive interview. The the study they've done. Um, uh, let's see. Looks like they they studied it for a city. Uh, with a population of 1.8 million, and the study concluded that they could handle more than 84,000 trips in a peak period and up to uh, 250 billion transit trips per year. 250 wow. billion? 250 billion. Wow. You know, I was, uh, it's interesting that uh, um, it, it looks like uh, if, if they use uh, GPS or whatever they would use, a, a computerized system, they could probably... Uh, time when the cars would be at the station, how many could be there, like say a station bunched up with four or five cars and nobody's getting on, they probably would send a, a car off to the next station. Right. Yeah, so that's a, it's a clever concept. Well, if they're going to do it, they better get some Imagineers in on it because they seem to know how to do things right. <laughs> <laughs> I, sh I should also say um, that uh, I read a little bit about the the you know the creator of this concept and he's been in a lot of <clears throat> legal uh, entanglements because of it and I didn't read enough to know why but it's just I don't know it's typical you know you do something great and there's always a lawsuit somewhere down the road right right it's too bad I mean, my only concerns with it would be you know how you deal with a, a breakdown of a vehicle or um, I mean you'd think that would be minimal but yeah. It looked like, and I saw the inside of the, the design, and, and it looked like they really had a sort of a cookie-cutter approach to, to a pretty simple engine, and uh, you could see where it was, you know, it was, it was a modest design to make it happen. They make the exterior look very nice, but I think the engine and the track system was pretty, uh, pretty simple. Uh-huh. The other thing I was going to say is that uh, there was a movie that I can't remember the name of, but I know Tom Cruise was in it, and they had a uh, kind of transportation there where not only were you, you'd hop in your vehicle and, and you know it would know where you'd go, you didn't have to drive or anything, but it would go up the side of your apartment and open right into your room. I don't <laughs> know if, did you ever see that? No. <laughs> oh, wait, was it, was it that Bruce Willis movie? Nope. It was... No. Um, it was kind of a strange movie. I don't, I don't really remember the name of it. It was, but I do remember that. <laughs> oh, that wasn't Minority Report, was it? Yeah, that's it. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Those vehicles are pretty cool. That was the coolest part of the movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
It would be hard to talk about the future without talking about Virgin. Virgin is a British venture capital organization conceived in 1970 by Sir Richard Branson. The Virgin Group is of great interest to us because they have pioneered in transportation, among many other venues. Bob, they are definitely shaking up the personal space travel industry. Yeah, it's uh, it's fascinating to read about Richard Branson because uh, it seems like he's got a lot of the interests that we do, except he's got money. <laughs> that's, that's a big difference. Uh, in fact, uh, in, in one uh, interview, he said that... Uh, he kind of grew up in the uh, glory days, he calls it, of, of the 60s, uh, when the space race was on, and uh, and he lived in London, and uh, it was that that whole realm was very exciting to him. So I think he has some of the same interests we do, and uh, the, the whole idea about a, a bright future. And uh, uh, you know, he's he started a number of companies. Uh, he started uh, uh, an airline, Virgin Atlantic. And a funny comment that Richard Branson said one time, and I just remember this from before, is uh, he said the the quickest way to become a millionaire is to start out as a billionaire and buy an airline. (laughs) (laughs) So That's good. uh, It sounds like the airline business is not easy. Uh, But Richard Branson uh, started uh, in about uh, four or five years ago, uh, there was a competition to see who could build the first suborbital space plane. So uh, a number of uh, companies participated, and uh, there was a company out in California, I believe it's California, called Scaled Composites, who actually won the competition. And uh, what they did was they built a plane that would take off uh, like a normal plane, and then it would um, get up to about uh, 40,000 feet and then it would. Uh, there was a small rocket plane that would detach from the main plane, and then it had uh, it had a rocket on it, and it would uh, uh, it would go into a suborbital um, orbit. <laughs> so a company out of California called Scaled Composites built uh, uh, built a space plane. Anyway, uh, it turns out that uh, I, I can't remember what the prize money was, but uh, the prize money they won was far less than they actually had to invest <laughs> to, to uh, get the plane up into uh, an orbit and win the competition. But uh, um, Richard Branson saw this, and uh, it was really the first uh, uh, demonstration uh, of something other than the standard uh, expensive uh, rocket system uh, to get into orbit. So when Richard Branson saw that, he he thought that uh, this could be maybe the the first way we could actually start uh, space tourism, where people could actually pay to go on a space flight. Huh. So uh, Richard Branson uh, partnered with uh, Scaled Composites, and they started uh, a new company called Virgin Galactic. <laughs> and uh, he's of course, maintaining that uh, Virgin name with it, but uh, uh, one of the uh, one of the goals of Virgin Galactic is to uh, is to bring paying passengers uh, up to space, and of course, it has to be fairly wealthy passengers. Uh, they said uh, uh, they've taken, I think, a, I think up to three hundred reservations already. Oh my gosh! Uh, at about two hundred thousand apiece. Uh-huh. So, if you want but you to, know, if, you're, if you're wealthy, two hundred thousand is probably nothing. No. No, right? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, 
you know. So this thing takes off, takes off like a plane, and then the, the and then once it's up, the rocket launches off of the plane. Is exactly. Yeah. Huh. Uh, they have a um, they have a, a kind of a large large plane, a dual fuselage, and then in the middle they they put the smaller uh, what they call the space plane. They call it Spaceship One. And, and the uh, the carrier aircraft is called the White Knight Two, and like, <laughs> like I said, it gets you up to about uh, uh, forty fifty thousand feet, and then it uh, ejects uh, Spaceship One, and uh, then the rockets fire, and Spaceship One takes you up to um, it's a hundred hundred and ten kilometers, which I believe uh, equates to around a little over three hundred thousand feet. So just to give you a kind of an example, when you fly in a, uh, a commercial aircraft, you're typically flying at thirty-five to 40,000 feet. That's what I was thinking. So you're going 10 times as high, close to it. Exactly. And they call it suborbital. It's not actually um, a full orbit uh, okay. where they would have to do a full reentry. Uh, that's always a problem. <laughs> yeah. To do the full reentry. But uh, the idea is the, the whole the whole trip would take about two and a half hours from the time that uh, the White Knight 2 takes off and the time that your spaceship, Spaceship 1, actually lands. Uh, you end up being uh, in space for uh, our weightlessness for uh, roughly only six minutes. Huh. So it doesn't sound like a lot. But think no. about it. But think about it. If you could... Uh, you know, you if you wanted to experience weightlessness and you get up to this altitude and you and basically they, they allow the passengers to unstrap themselves and float around the cabin. Six right. minutes six minutes might not seem too bad. Right. That's thirty three thousand three hundred and thirty three dollars per minute. <laughs> <laughs> so how does how does this land? Does it land like a shuttle or land like a plane type thing? Uh, it lands like the shuttle, so it uh, it has uh, it has wings and it makes an unpowered landing, just like the space shuttle does. Huh. And uh, they have uh, right now they uh, they're working on uh, what they're calling a spaceport, the re- first real spaceport. Ooh! What do you think of that? Excitement! <laughs> like that? It's in New Mexico, and uh, so that's where they're going to begin their operations. And uh, it's Richard Branson's hope that, uh, you know, more spaceports will get built as the popularity grows. Uh, and guess what What other city on some other part of, of the globe is, is uh, planning a spaceport? Orlando. Du- Dubai. <laughs> Very good, Josh. Uh. <laughs> yeah, they're, yeah. they're ahead of everything in Dubai. <laughs> yep. Dubai's planning, uh, you know, they're, they're chomping at the bit to get this. So... You know, doesn't that bother you a little bit? I mean, why isn't it America used to have that kind of vision? I, I think we need that. Well, it's because we haven't had enough episodes of our podcast yet. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> I'm I'm thinking about showing up at the, you know, Richard Branson Airport, wherever they take off, and flipping out my two hundred dollars, and I say two hundred, right? <laughs> <laughs> you, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Now, if you had the money, would you would you do it? If I had the money, yeah. Um, and it was just money that I. I if it was money to burn. Would you Would you want to do that? I'd love to. <laughs> yeah. What about you, Dean? 
Yeah, I mean, if you if, you know, you say it in one like, because my son asked me today, would you buy a, a Lamborghini if you had the money? And I said, no, I don't think I could with a clean conscience. Uh, if it was truly money to burn, oh yeah, I know, it it'd be pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, one one additional thing is there's a, um, of course, uh, this is. A, a relatively short uh, short jaunt up into space. So uh, there's another company that is uh, got on the books, and of course, uh, you know they're trying to get funding. But uh, their idea is to build a space hotel. Mm-hmm. And, well, that must be that church. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> now, if they just get the, the the space meal plan, we'll be all set. <laughs> Do they have a drive-through? <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah. There's a place in uh, it's in Spain, I guess, is where they're architecting this. So the whole thing is pretty pie in the sky right now. But it's uh, their idea is to build a uh, um, a small space resort, and uh, the, they said the cost to stay for a three night stay is four point four million. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh. Now I, I don't know. Uh, they haven't really worked out how they would get people there. <laughs> You know, it's like, uh, so uh, how would you get people there? Well, you know, we're still working on that one. <laughs> Small issue. <laughs> but uh, they said, uh, it's interesting because they said during their stay, guests would see the sunrise 15 times a day. Oh, my gosh. You know, because they're in orbit and traveling around the world every 80 minutes. Right. Uh, it says they would wear Velcro suits so they can crawl around their pod rooms, kind of like Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> That's really neat. In in the... um. In the virgins, whatever they call it, do you unstrap and float during weightlessness, or do you you have to stay strapped in? Do you know? Oh no, they they unstrap. Oh okay. Uh, and they uh, they allow them to to uh, experience weightless weightlessness for five to six minutes, and then they have to return to their chairs and and of course make their descent, uh, you know, for landing. So hmm. that'd be fun. Yeah, and and you can't bring a dog and let him stick his head out the window during reentry. <laughs> Would not work out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and uh, the, the the actually they have a. I mentioned Spaceship One was the uh, the, the the space plane that they use. They've they uh, they've actually developed uh, are developing or have developed. I'm not sure if they're done. It's called Spaceship Two. It's a little bigger, and uh, it's an interesting looking vehicle. Uh, it's got round uh, holes kind of just dotted all over the fuselage. And uh, I think just for p- the pressures that are on that plane, it, uh, they couldn't have a real large viewing area. So they just put a bunch of small windows so you can, as you're floating around, you can look you know, out the different portals and catch a view of the curvature of the earth and that kind of stuff. Hmm. That would be cool. Be fun. Yeah, very exciting. Didn't so. didn't somebody? I wasn't it uh, one of the Backstreet Boys, Lance Bass. Didn't he pay the Russians to go into space? I don't know. I don't know if he did or not. I'm not sure if he did. Uh, I know the uh, the Russians have taken uh, a couple a couple people up uh, to the space station, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, I forget the one guy. So oh, a lot of controversy, <laughs> and of course, uh, you know, the Russians were looking at it as a, a revenue source, right? And uh, so. You know, NASA kind of poo-pooed them for doing it, but uh, they said, "Hey, then you give us, you know, X millions of dollars." <laughs> you know, <laughs> said, well, I, we- I guess it. I, <laughs> excuse me. I guess it didn't work out for Lance Bass. He had, he was supposed to be the, the third tourist, but uh, 
but they uh, for some reason he didn't end up getting to go. Yeah, what was oh, the he first? failed failed to fulfill the conditions of his contract. He had to complete the training at the Cosmonaut Training Center. Mm. <laughs> didn't do that, huh? Oh, by the way, uh, he paid twenty million. Oh, oh, really? Yeah, to secure his seat. Two hundred thousand—that's nothing now. Yeah, that's a that's a deal. <laughs> oh, by the way, uh, yeah, and you'd like this. Uh, I was uh, Dean, especially since we've talked about this so much. Uh, for staying at the Galactic uh, Suite for four point four million dollars for three nights at this um, space hotel. Uh, you start out by staying, uh, f- staying for an eight-week training course on a tropical island. <laughs> oh darn! <laughs> Perfect. That'd be fun. Oh boy! Yeah, yeah. that's that's amazing. I, I bet you the food's good too. <laughs> <laughs> I bet they have Chilean sea bass. <laughs> yeah. That was in Jurassic Park. Yeah, right. <laughs> Hey, uh, Dean, Richard's not only traveling into space these days, is he? No, in fact, just this month, uh, Richard Branson announced his undersea exploration venture, Virgin Oceanic. And uh, unlike his suborbital spaceflight company, Virgin Galactic, the, the new venture is not accepting paying passengers. So we can't yeah. go on that one, guys. Yeah. <laughs> But instead, it will comprise of about uh, five deep-sea dives. They plan five, each one carrying just one person. And they're to the deepest points in each of the five oceans. Wow. Yeah. Virgin has uh, built a custom submarine, and the sub's cockpit has a bubble-like dome made of quartz, which can withstand 13 million pounds of pressure across its surface. And I know that's the trick. It's always the pressure. Right. (laughs) Um, The sub looks... Cool. You, you have, I don't know if you guys have seen photos, but um, just like you would expect, having seen their their spacecraft, um, it, it it does look something more like a plane. So mm-hmm. it, it kind of has that. Uh, it looks like it's flying to its underwater destinations. Huh. Um, it weighs eight thousand pounds. is made of carbon fiber and titanium, and is rated to withstand pressure up to thirty-seven thousand feet below the surface. Um, oh. Yeah. It's not a fast vehicle, though. It's got a maximum speed of just three knots and the ability to dive at 350 feet per minute. So its life support systems are meant to last up to 24 hours. Um, but there is, there's a, this is more than just fun. There's a serious scientific purpose behind it. Actually, there's a, there's a really good IMAX film called, um, I can't remember, but it's uh, something of the deep. But it's where they do uh, some of these deep sea dives. And they discover, uh, during that expedition, they discover a, a number of species they'd never seen before. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just fascinating to watch. Yeah. Huh. I think I've seen something of that on, uh, there was a Netflix download that uh, showed some creatures that were kind of, some were kind of scary looking. They were, they were freaky. 
Yeah, actually, uh, they have these um, places where, like, uh, you know, toxic, uh, there's toxic chemicals pouring out of these tubes down there. And, there's, and of course, you get down there and go, wow, what could, you know, and it's, and it's tied into the whole uh, Earth's crust uh, uh, type, you know, strata. And uh, they said that, uh, of course, you get down there and you think, well, nothing can live in this toxic wasteland and and they found creatures that actually thrive hmm. on these toxic chemicals that are coming out of these tubes huh. so, fascinating. That's, that's amazing a lot of uh, those creatures down there they, they end up looking kind of very prehistoric yeah i wonder if there's a whole chain too you know where the you know the ones are eating the others and the other ones you know how they the the, the, the ones where they swim alongside a shark and right. it's like they're their little buddy and they're taking care of them or something <laughs> Right. <laughs> well, they anyway. So they have the five planned missions, and um, I think Richard Branson is planning on going on the second one. But there's actual scientists lined up to make most of these dives for their research into bottom-dwelling microbes, uh, bioluminescence, and seafloor geology. So pretty cool stuff. Yeah. I think we could get Richard for a podcast interview. That'd be great. Yeah. He seems like a nice guy. Every time I've seen him, he seems very cordial. He might invite us to his island. Yeah. I did see one time uh, he, they, they, he was doing, oh, it was like uh, Holmes of the Famous or something. He said, well, we have, we have a star with us right now, and it was Mariah Carey. I remember that. Mm-hmm. So Mariah Carey and, you know, maybe Bill Gates, and then, you know, maybe me and you guys. <laughs> 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 it's an amazing house, too. We're still working on some interviews for our next series on the future around the world. Come back next time as we continue with the Recapturing the Future podcast. 